Good evening, everyone. And to those of you who are watching online as well, you all know that uh, National Day is just a few days away. Do you all know the theme for this year? <laughs> Shine your light. Yeah, that's the theme song. So I've decided to entitle my message, Shine Your Light. You know, the theme song is interesting. When you look at the lyrics, uh, it's like asking the church to shine your light. The theme for the year is Onward as One. It's about unity, about coming together to advance Singapore. Maybe a bit of background about myself before I start sharing. Um, I realize I'm seated with a younger group today. So I was asking the question, uh, you know, is there a point in the year whereby one particular day, one particular service, they say, okay, all those above 19 now cross over. <laughs> then I was told, no, 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 maybe at the camp or something, yeah. But uh, really good to be here. I was young once. Um, people ask me what's my age. I said, I'm just a bit older than Singapore. Lah. So you, you can guess, uh, a bit older than Singapore. When I was, uh, so I grew up in a non-Christian family, eight children. I was number seven. I was the first to become a Christian. And of course, how did I become a Christian? I uh, also don't know why my mom sent me to a mission school and asked me not to be a Christian. It's like, sent me to a mission school and... But also didn't. Primary school also didn't become a Christian, attend all the chapel services. Secondary school also didn't, didn't become a Christian. JC also didn't become a Christian. But around JC, I still remember, you know, it's like from primary school to secondary school to mission school, uh, or JC, it's like, you know, the mission school is just follow, la, you know, don't have to make any decision. But after JC, where are we going to go? So I look left and right, I have my JC friends, they're talking about, wow, after JC, where do we go? Uh? We go national service, commando or not commando, officer or not officer, or cadet or don't, don't want to be a cadet. And then they say, after then, go where? University or no university? Take scholarship or no scholarship? Then after university, go where? Then they look at each other and say, don't know whether the couple will make it or not make it. They start talking about our future. When we get married, not married. And then one of them say, if I get married, I want six children. You know, my generation actually is the problem. We never have enough children. That's why Singapore is suffering today. So if all of us have six children, my generation, I think Singapore will be okay. So we are talking about future. So I was just 17, 18 years old. I mean, who knows what the future holds, right? I don't know about you. I'm sure you think about your future every now and then, at your age. Now I only talk about my past. Your generation, at your age, you talk about your future. My generation, at this age, I talk about my past. So I was just talking, listening to my friends, talking about the future, and I decided, even though I'm not a Christian, I better talk to God. Lah. So I prayed a prayer that I, for the first time, I prayed a prayer to a God I didn't know. I said, God, why do you put me on earth? What am I here for? What's my life all about? And I was very concerned because, can you imagine, if my life is supposed to be this direction, at the age of 18, I just shift a little bit, right? I just miss a little bit. And then I keep walking, keep walking, 20 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, 100 years old, not 100. Nah. It will be very far from what God has intended my life to be. Somehow, even though I wasn't a Christian, I started having such thoughts. So that was my first prayer. And my second prayer was actually in a cinema. Do you know you can say prayers in a cinema? I was watching a movie with a couple of friends and then there was this scene whereby there was a shipwreck and then, and then this guy was trying to swim towards the shore. He could hardly barely see the shore and he started to curse God. He said, God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Why you allow this to happen to me? And finally, he saw the shoreline and he decided, instead of cursing God, better ask God for help. And he said, God, if you allow me to reach the shore, I will go to church. So I thought, oh, like that also can, no? So I said, God, if you give me a scholarship, I will go to church. So that was my prayer because I came from a, not a rich family. If I get to go university, I will need a scholarship. So that was my second prayer. A few months later, I was in national service sweeping the floor. You know, they always make you sweep floor, wash toilet. And there was a phone call from public service commission. The officer came out and said, you apply for a scholarship, is it? There's a call from PSC. So when I answered the call and they offered me a scholarship, Long story short, two weeks later, I was in the airport, getting to fly to Australia. And then my dad, very good advice. Ayonga, call me Ayong because that's my Chinese name. Ayonga, I give you some advice. Huh? No drinking, no smoking, no womanizing, no alcohol, no drugs, okay? 
I thank God for my dad who gave me those advice because if I had not listened to him, I'd be in trouble today. And my mom looked at me and said, Ayong, no Angmo sin, no Angmo bo, okay? Basically, no, no foreigner God, no foreigner wife, you know, because traditional families, you know, anything foreign, they'll lose a son. So I said, yes, mom. So flew to Australia in Perth, started my four year of uh, uh, undergrad education. Within a few months, I found my girlfriend there. Uh, but she only stayed, in, stayed 10 minutes away from my house in Singapore. So, and then I also found God there. I didn't go to church. I went to a student fellowship. It was a camp, youth camp. So I became a Christian. After I became a Christian, first year, second year, assistant Bible study leader, third year, committee member, fourth year, the president of the student fellowship. Fastest promotion ever. And of course, I came back, I started to serve my bond. I worked in the Ministry of Finance, and within a year, I volunteered to go prisons uh, as a prison officer, not as a prisoner. So I spent 17 years there. And of course, today's message is about shining your light. And I look back, I think I have done some of the things that God said in the Bible. Let's look at this passage, Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others. You know, now our government, this coming uh, National Day, also want to talk about shining your light. But that's the difference. Uh. The difference is, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. It's all about pointing people to God. Not saying that, wow, we did it, you know, we are so successful, we are so prosperous. It is about pointing people to God, giving glory to God, because we need to be humble. I believe that Singapore is what it is today because God has been very merciful. God has really protected us and blessed us. If you look at another passage in John chapter 8, verse 12, because if God were to say, shine your light, but where does the light come from? come from me? Here is very clear, John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light, not me. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So there are two points here. One is, we are not the source of light. Jesus is the source of light. It's like the sun and the moon, right? Does the light come from the moon or the light come from the sun? The sun is the source of light. The moon is just reflecting the light that comes from the sun. And of course, in this case, S-O-N, Jesus is the Son of God. The source of light is Jesus. We have no light in us. We are shining because we are close to Jesus, because Jesus is in us. Now, the danger then is this. If we are close to Jesus, if we follow Jesus, then lots of light. But if we walk away from Jesus, if we are just coming to church, just play, play, just, for, just mark attendance, we are not really following Christ, then there's no light in us. I'm sure you know sometimes in the workplace, sometimes in your school, you mean he's a Christian? Ah? You mean the principal is a Christian? Ah? Well, like that one, ah. You mean the teacher is a Christian? You mean my boss is a Christian? Ah? There's no light. Maybe because they are not really following Jesus or following the ways of Jesus. Here is very clear. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So our light comes from Jesus. If we are not close to Him, we have no light. And I'm not sure about you, but do you think the world is getting brighter or getting darker? So the world needs light. Singapore needs light. Things that's happening in the last few months is very concerning. Where is the answer then? Can society, can the world look towards the church, look towards you and me to bring light into the world? I'm going to talk about two passages now. John chapter 1. There are 18 verses, but I'm not going to read all the 18 verses. I will just read a few verses, highlight a few key words. Okay, John chapter 1 first. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So very clear, the Word was in the beginning, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Word incarnate, God incarnate, God become man. Jesus was 
Jesus came into the world. The Word became flesh. And what happens when the Word became flesh? When God becomes man, what happens? In the next three verses, in Him was life. And that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So when the Word becomes flesh, you will see three things. Life, light, and truth. When the Word becomes flesh, there will be more life, more light, more truth. Now, what is the opposite of life? Death, despair, depression, mental health problems. What do you think? Do you think there's a lot of life out there or there's a lot of death and depression and dark, I don't know, just hopelessness? The world seems to be getting more and more depressed. Mental health issues. What is the opposite of light? Darkness. Again, the world is getting darker. What is the opposite of truth? Lies. You know, 2016, the word of the year, you know, every year, the dictionary, Oxford dictionary, whatever dictionary, yeah, they will choose the word of the year, the word that is used most often during that year. 2016, the word of the year was post-truth. You know, post-modern, post-Christian, post-truth means no more truth. Then the following year, they couldn't find one word. The word of the year was, they can't find one word for the word of the year, so they have to choose two words. Fake news. Well, since then, there's really a lot of fake news, a lot of lies, especially with social media. You know, 2,000 years ago, when this was written, more life, more light, more truth. The world today needs all this. So much fake news. Let's look at the next passage from 1 John chapter 1. Again, a few verses, but I will also highlight only a few words. In red. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And then, of course, it goes on to say, the life appeared, and we have seen it. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Yet, those who walk in darkness do not live by the truth. Again, so when the word becomes flesh, when the word of life becomes man, there will be life, there will be light, there will be truth. But let us go back to look at the first part, which we have heard, of course you can hear the word, right? Which we have seen with our eyes. Of course, now you're looking at the screen, you can see the words. But then it also says, with our hands have touched. How do you touch the word? You can see the word, you can hear the word. How do you touch words? Can, if the words become flesh. Let me explain. I'm sure you've heard of the verse, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can you imagine every word that's in the Bible, every word that's written, the word of God written in the Bible, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, from the Bible, become flesh in us. Okay, let me explain again. How many of you have uh, breakfast this morning? Okay, some of you skip. How about lunch? Okay, I think most of us have lunch. Okay, if not, then dinner for sure. You will eat something. Lots of breakfast, lots of flesh. Lots of lunch, lots of flesh. Whatever we eat will become flesh. People can see, people can hear, people can touch. Touch. The word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What if not just the bread and the food and the taco will become flesh, but the word of God also become flesh? And I consume the word, I meditate on the word, and the word becomes part of me, become me. You know, Jesus was the walking word, right? Because the word there was from beginning, the word become flesh. Jesus was the walking word. He was the word made flesh. And wherever he goes, there will be life, there will be truth, there will be light. I think that's a challenge for many of us. I can do a lot of Bible study, but the question is, did those words become flesh in me? Did those words become part of me so that I can bring it back to my family, bring it back to my marriage, bring it back to my office, bring it back to my school, 
and bring life, bring light, bring truth. Let me continue. I mean, just take a look at this slide. This is my, my previous life. Lah. 20 over years in the public service. Been there, done that. Was in the prisons for 70 years. Again, as a prison officer, not as a prisoner. And then uh, Ministry of Social and Family Development. When I was in MSF, I saw family violence, child abuse. I saw so much darkness, so much despair, so much hopelessness. We are so rich, but yet we are so poor. Beautiful houses, broken homes. How does the Word become flesh? How does the Word of God on a Sunday become flesh on a Monday? How does the Word of God bring more light? How do we shine your light? Or is it just a song that we dance to? On National Day, you will see people dancing to shine your light. I think some, just now during the introduction, I was involved in starting two national movements, the Yellow Ribbon Project, the Dance for Life. By the way, some people say, wow, Jason, you're so creative, you're so good. By the way, uh, I'm quite creative, uh, but I'm not the creative. God is the creative one. I'm just a vessel. It's all His idea, not my idea. I'm just His vessel. You know, the Dance for Life came from one verse. I will send Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children because hearts of fathers have been turned away, absent fathers turned against abusive fathers. So basically the verse here says, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, turn the hearts of fathers towards the children. That become a national fathers movement called Dads for Life. One verse become a national movement, but not easy. I can tell you when I suggested this to my bosses, one fellow director said, hey Jason, yeah, father's not interested in fathering on you bring fathers together, they just drink beer and watch football. Truth or lie? I know some people say, yeah, well, true. Eh? You bring men together, they just watch football. But well, looking back, that's what life has been launched. The many father communities, it's in the schools, etc., etc. The word of God is counterculture. You want to bring the verse of God into the real world, you will get pushed back. What about Yellow Ribbon Project came from one verse. One verse. The Spirit is upon me to set prisoners free. God wants to set captives free, set prisoners free. So on a Sunday, you hear the pastor say, set prisoners free. On a Monday, you go back to work as a prison officer. You know what you hear your friends say? Lock them up. So I go back to my quiet time. I read the Bible. Isaiah 61 also say the same thing. Set prisoners free. And Jesus said, Matthew, I was in prison. You come and visit me. So on a Monday, I go back to work. Then my minister said, lock them up, cane them. How does the word of God become flesh? How do I bring the word of God to my office so that there will be more life, more light, and more truth? Jesus, the word that was from the beginning, he became flesh. He was counterculture. Everywhere he go, he was just pushing back darkness, pushing back lies, pushing back death. I know last year during Father's Day, I came, I shared about the Dads for Life story, but I didn't come here because I think you're not yet fathers. So, so since I've shared the Dads for Life story today, I will just share about the prison story. How did Yellow Ribbon come about? Well, there was opposition. I wanted to be a prison officer. I had opposition. My uh, mother said, so skinny, she'll get beaten up. I don't think you should be a prison officer. So skinny, she'll get beaten up. Truth or lie? So skinny is truth. She'll get beaten up? No. Uh, I never got beaten up by prisoners. But can you imagine if I listen to what men say, what my mom say, I would not be a prison officer. And then my future father-in-law, not married yet, my future father-in-law said, Jason, you're so honest, huh? cannot make it, huh? because the drug addicts always tell lies. You will trust them and you will not make it. Honest, cannot make it. Truth or lie? Honest is true. I'm quite an honest guy. Huh? Cannot make it, that's a lie. Every two, three years, I get promoted sometimes, I don't even know why. And of course, when you get promoted, you have to be very humble and say, God, why am I promoted again? Huh? Of course, you pat yourself in the back. It's hey, not bad, like, you get promoted again. But then you have to go before the Lord and say, why am I promoted, like, God? For sure, if you're a teacher, one, your influence is one classroom. If you're HOD, your influence is, your influence is eight, class, eight classes. If you're a principal, your influence is one whole school. 
When we get promoted, it's so that we can bring light to the whole school. If I'm not, that means the word is not flesh yet. So with opposition, so what do I do? I need to hear God, right? Not what men say, but what God says. And of course, sometimes God will speak. In fact, not sometimes, all the time He will speak. In Jeremiah 29, it's a very popular verse. I know the plans I have for, for you. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me and I will reveal the, my plans to you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you future, to give you hope. But when we seek Him with all our heart, then we will find Him. If I seek Netflix, I seek whatever, gym, whatever, then we cannot find God. And of course, when I seek Him, God gave me a dream. Long story short, I was in a church retreat the cell leaders, the pastor, don't know where he learned from. He brought the cell leaders to a chalet uh, uh, in uh, Pasir Ris and he taught us how to hear God, hear, how to hear God's voice. So he sat us down on the carpet floor, uh, spent one hour with, and asking us, okay, nobody talk to each other, just be quiet, close your eyes, meditate, breathe in. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, breathe out evil spirit. Breathe in joy and peace. Breathe out anger and frustration. Just breathe in, breathe out. Then he asked, anybody hear anything? Is God speaking to any of you? Anybody see any vision, picture, words? Towards the end of the one hour, the only thing I heard was two, three people next to me. <laughs> I don't know, again, I'm not, if you want to learn how to hear God's voice, you better ask your pastor, you know, don't follow this. But anyway, at the end of the one hour, he said, okay, don't talk to anybody. Who knows, maybe tonight God will speak to you when you fall asleep. That night God spoke to me. I had a dream. In that dream, I saw lots of rubbish. And uh, I remember the glass door. I opened the glass door. It was a cafe. I walked in. I saw people seated twos and threes, drinking coffee, talking to each other. But when I looked down, lots of rubbish. They couldn't see what I saw. That was the interesting part. I saw the rubbish. They couldn't see it. Next day, went back to the hall. We were worshipping God. And about the second or third song, they were singing, Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I am rich. When it came to this part, the rubbish came back. My hands were raised. We are singing. I said, I remember this dream last night, the rubbish dream. God, what are you trying to tell me? Before I could finish asking the question in my head, the understanding came through my whole being. I heard God say, for the rest of your life, I want you to walk amongst the trash of society. I saw trash of society, the three words. And so I've been, of course... To God, prisoners are not trash. They are treasure. That's why God wants to set them free, unlock the calling and the destiny for their lives. And so I started doing that. Now, how do we shine our light? Three levels. At the individual level, at the organizational level, at the societal or national level. Start small. right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Start where we are. You say, I want to change the MOE system. Now start with one class. Wow, 30 over students. Where do I start? Start with one student. You know, when I was a prison officer, I only had, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't that senior. I only had one shift. One shift is about eight hours. So I, what do I do? In eight hours, I've got 2,400 prisoners in Changi Prison, the old Changi Prison. What do I do? Who do I influence? Who do I shine my light on? So what I do is that every day I need to do my rounds, one round at least two, three hours to check this, check that. And most of the time, the other prison officers, when they walk into a housing unit, there are two, three hundred prisoners. When they see the officer come in, they will tong tong, and then they will shout, Good morning, sir! Then two, three hundred prisoners will shout, Good morning, sir! And then, of course, the officer will respond, Morning, and then he'll walk away. Whereas for me, I will say, Morning, then I will start walking. I say, God, who do you want me, who do you want me to talk to today? Is there someone that I'll pray, I'll pray. I say, ha ha, this one. Then I go up to him. How are you? Is everything okay? Did your family come and visit you? Is there anything I can do for you? Two, three hundred, I just make a difference to one. And I remember this is a real story. Uh, there was the first HIV prisoner. Even the doctors don't know what to do. So we have to put him in an isolated cell. And so when I go on my round, I will just see lah, whether he's out of his cell or not. Every day, he would only be allowed one hour to come out from his cell. 
He'll be, there's a small grass patch, he'll be walking up and down. You know, that's, that was his exercise area. At the end, he'll have to turn around because not much space. And then when I see him walking back and forth, back and forth, I'll join him. I'll talk to him, join him. And then one day, I saw that there were eye bags below his eyes. I said, what happened? Didn't you sleep? He said, sir, cannot sleep. I said, what happened? Got dark shadows in myself. You know, if you're scared in your own house, you run out of your room, go to the living room, run out of the living room, go to the, you know, go down to the streets. But in his case, iron bars, nowhere to go. And I cannot unlock him, right, at night. Then he looked at me and said, so what do I do, what do I do? So what will you do if you are me? And I said, you know what I'll do? I will pray to my Jesus. Walking back and forth, that's what I say. I mean, this, this, this is what I will do if I were you, if I'm locked up in a cell like that. Then he said, okay, sir, tell me, uh, teach me how to pray. I said, you know, the name of Jesus is very powerful, you know, because the Bible said, the name of Jesus, uh, everything in heaven, on earth, under the earth will bow down to the name of Jesus, you no? Know? He said, wow, so powerful. I said, yeah, so you just pray in the name of Jesus, get out of my cell. And he said, okay, he will try. A few days later, I saw him walking back and forth. I looked at him, I joined him, and he was smiling. He said, sir, it worked. No more dark shadows. Then he asked me, what should I do? I said, you want to be a Christian? He said, yeah. So I say the sinner's prayer, just as an officer, officer and prisoner. And of course, at the end of that, I referred him to the prison fellowship and he was counseled by the prison fellowship. At the individual level, one at a time, shine your light. What about at the organizational level? I think some of us are probably working in organizations. It's like, I want to resign, man. I cannot take it anymore. <laughs> well, prisons wasn't an easy place. When I first joined the prisons, uh, you know what was the big debate among the bosses when I first joined the prisons? They were deciding, uh, if you look at this picture, which is the old Changi prison, the question they were debating over was to paint or not to paint the wall. I was like, what the big deal? Want to paint, paint? Uh. Then I heard uh, the bosses having this discussion. They said, if you paint it so nicely, uh, then people outside look at the prison wall and say, wow, so nice. Huh? Then they want to commit crime and go in. I was like, what sort of logic is that? Because they want to keep the deterrence effects, you know. Then I was thinking as a young officer, I said, but if they don't, if they're so scared, then the people from outside look inside, they will be thinking, well, all these people must be horrible, terrible people. We must stay far, far away from them. Anyway, Long story short, I worked under three bosses, all good bosses. They were trying to bring change, you know. One was a Catholic, the other two were Christians. And finally, this was the third one, Mr. Chua Ching Kiet. By then, you know, we have this uh, building up the momentum to transform the prison system. And then uh, he was introducing many changes. But not everybody wanted change. Uh. Change is scary. Uh. So there was a town hall and... Um, by the way, uh, he was miraculously healed of a liver sickness. Uh. He was a president scholar, a police scholar. And of course, uh, from the police, he was transferred to prisons and then became my boss. And so one time he was having a town hall, two, three hundred staff. He was trying to explain to them why we need to change, why we need to do rehabilitation, why we need to transform. And then the questions came fast and furious. Sir, you know, we haven't done this before. Sir, you know, these are foreign ideas. You may not work here. Sir, you know, if I, some, if I make a mistake, how, you know, will I be, uh, be punished, you know? Ask a lot of questions. So he just listened, listened, and in the end, he just said one sentence. His reply was, faith energizes, fear paralyzes. Wow, everybody look at each other. Oh, wow. Very wise, Faith energizes. We know Singaporeans, we kiasu, kiasi, kiabo, kiachenghu, kia, kia, kia. We're all scared. You know, we love fear. Once, because fear will paralyze us. Right? So during the tea break, I went up to him. You know, I said, Sir, just now, uh, you say faith energizes, fear paralyzes. That was wonderful. Where do you get it from? Uh? Is this from some management guru, some leadership course, some book that you read? He said, No. La. Yesterday, la. yesterday, I went to church where the pastor talked about faith energizes, fear paralyzes. I say, oh, what you hear on a Sunday, you can use on a Monday. Straight away. When the word becomes flesh. And of course, prison started to transform itself. New vision statement. You can see, you know, the next couple of slides. And we are trained to look for the sparkle, not just the flaw. We begin to change the vision statement, the strategies, the, the programs. Just align it 
Of course, for us Christians, we know what we are aligning it to, to biblical values and principles, setting prisoners free. And then we started to win awards, the top public service award, because after we start making the changes and the transformation, the way we train the staff and uh, select the staff, and the, this is the best award, la, top 10 companies to work for. No, when I wanted to join, nobody wanted to join, you know. Now everybody wanted to join, long queue. Not easy to be a prison officer nowadays. And this is the interesting uh, award because the first, I think, is Ritz-Carlton Hotel. First is Four Seasons Hotel. Second is Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Third is Raffles Hotel. Fourth is Singapore Marriott Hotel. <laughs> Number eight is Singapore Prisons Hotel. <laughs> of course, the other hotel, five, six-star hotel, this one only one-star hotel. The difference is this, uh, all the others have repeat customers. Prisons have less and less repeat customers. You join hotel, you want your business to grow. You join prisons, you don't want your business to grow. Because God was setting prisoners free. And the most important, of course, shine our light at the individual level, shine our light at the organizational level. We need to shine our light at the societal level, the national level. That's where Yellow Ribbon Project came, came about. You know, I remember we were trying to, especially those of us who are Christians, trying to help prisoners to go back to society, give them skills, but they may not find jobs. Help them with the anger management, but the family may not forgive them. In fact, some of them become Christians in the chapel services in the prisons. But do you know that in those days, they may not be able to find a church to go to. I remember speaking to a pastor of a major denomination in Singapore, don't worry, not yours. And uh, I said, hey, pastor, your denomination, your churches, uh, have volunteers going into the prisons, chapel service, and some prisoners become Christians. When they come out, can they come to your church? Uh? He looked at me, he said, very good idea, but I don't think my church is ready. I was like, if the church is not ready, then who is ready? If the church is not ready to set captives free and set prisoners free, then who is ready? If the church is supposed to shine the light, but if the church is so dark, then no hope. So God put this onto my heart and finally I had the opportunity to launch the Yellow Ribbon Project. I don't think you know the song, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Tree, right? I can tell you tomorrow when I talk to the older folks, uh, they will all nod their head. Yeah, yeah, tie a yellow ribbon around the old tree. It's a 70s song. Uh. Let me explain the meaning of the song. The song is about a prisoner locked up for three years and he wrote a letter to the wife and asked the wife to forgive him. And if you forgive me, tie a ribbon around the old, old tree. So that when I come home, I will see the tree. And then I will come home. If I don't see the tree, that means you haven't forgiven me. But he did not see, so he asked the bus driver to help him see. The bus driver asked the whole bus to help him see. And what they saw were a hundred ribbons round the old oak tree. Forgiveness, 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 acceptance, 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 reconciliation, reconciliation. So how did I even come to know of this song? Again, God was the one behind Yellow Ribbon Project. I walked into the karaoke room at the prison officer's clubhouse looking for my children after dinner, and I saw my children together with other prison officers' children singing this song, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Tree. <laughs> so I stood there, I was looking at the TV screen. Then the prison officer, a junior officer came in. He said, sir, you like the song? I said, it's a happy song. I said, no, it's actually a very sad song, but happy ending. I said, what the song about? He said, look at the lyrics. And there was the lyrics. And guess what? A few months later, I was entrusted with this assignment. Do something to help prisoners reintegrate back to society. Then the song came back to my mind. And I literally could see in front of me, Yellow Ribbon Project. And the rest were history, right? There's this beautiful sentence here, the lyrics, I'm really still in prison, my love, she holds the key. A simple yellow ribbon's what I need to set me free. Of course, as a prison officer, whenever I see the word key, I get very excited. Uh. Prison officers hold keys. Uh. The higher ranking you are, the more keys you hold. Because some places you need two, three keys to unlock. So I say, how come my love, she holds the key? What key is she holding? Obviously, it's the key of acceptance, forgiveness, and second chance. And so, as a result, Yellow Ribbon was launched, and uh, the prison population started to fall. If you look at this diagram, you know, every year, 
the population grew at three, four, five hundred. But when they hit that period, 2002, because we started to transform the prisons, after that we launched the Yellow Ribbon Project, prisoners were able to go back to the family, find a place in church. I know that your church has a prison ministry, so you should, I don't know, give yourself a clap or something, you know, because, yeah. And then the next slide, you see Fiji below. Fiji launched Yellow Ribbon. They copied from Singapore, but never mind, it's free. <laughs> then uh, above is uh, Jade Lewis from Perth. She was a young Olympian, drug addict. So her Olympian dreams were dashed because, uh, were destroyed because of drug taking. But she found God inside a teen challenge halfway house. And then after she was set free from drugs by God, she visited Fiji and she saw yellow ribbon at Fiji. So this is a wonderful idea. We should bring it back to Australia. <laughs> and of course, later then she knew that it actually started from Singapore. And I met her, I got to meet her. And she brought yellow ribbon to the whole of Australia. And the next slide, this is, uh, you know which country? Yellow ribbon run, Czech Republic. Have you heard of this? sentence that Singapore is the Antioch of Asia, meaning whatever God does in Singapore will go to the nations. We are meant to bless the nations. That's why I think the theme song for this year is shine your light. Singapore, shine your light. But Singapore cannot shine the light unless the church shines the light. The church can only shine the light if each of us shine our light. Lastly, you know, there was a time the Lord asked me, Jason, do you know who tied the first ribbon on the tree? I was like, huh? Who tied the first ribbon on the tree? I don't know. And that was when the Lord spoke to me and said, I tied my son Jesus on the tree. Jesus was hung on the cross. The cross is a tree. Where does forgiveness come from? From the cross. The message of yellow ribbon is the same message as the cross. My last slide is this. <coughs> yeah, is there a worship team? You can, <coughs> yeah, you can uh, come forward. This is my last slide. I actually wrote a book called Trash of Society. So there are a lot more stories inside. You can get it from the usual Christian bookshops if you want to find out more. At the back of my book, I put this verse, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, all of us have a book in heaven. That means there are words written, written about our life. So we have to decide, do I want to write my own book? Do I want to live my own life? Or do I want to follow Jesus and live the life that He wants me to live? If I can understand what are the words written about me in heaven, then I can seek His will. Your will be done, not my will be done. <clears throat> and those words written about me in heaven, if those words become flesh in me, as I live out those words, there will be more life, <clears throat> more light, and more truth. Shall we stand? I want to give you all a chance to respond. You know, whether in your own home, your own family, you know they, there's a need for more, more light, more life. Or maybe in your school, in your class. Wow, everybody is talking, we don't know what they're talking, and all the negative stuff. Maybe they need more truth. Or maybe in the army camp, it's so dark. Or maybe in the workplace. I don't know what industry you are at. Maybe your industry felt like a prison. <laughs> Everybody needs to be set free. But how do we set people free? How do we set the organization free? How do we set the society free? The only way is that those words written about us, those words become flesh. When those words become flesh, we will be able to bring more life, more light, 
and more truth. The world needs it, Singapore needs it. So this is the response that I want to give. If you want your book to be open, at the age of 20, okay, imagine each of us got nine chapters, 90 years old. Each of us got nine chapters. For the first 20 years of my life, I wasn't a Christian, but at the age of 20, I said, God, why do you put me on earth? Why? I want to know why. Basically, what I was asking was, God, open your book. Show me those words. So when I seek you with all my heart, you will reveal those chapters to me. My third chapter, my fourth chapter, my fifth chapter. So if you are less than 20 years old, you still have, well, a lot of chapters. Huh? If that's what you want, for God to open the book in heaven so they can reveal to you what is written about you. When we sing this song, just come forward and we'll pray. I'll pray for you. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. When I look upon your face When I gaze into your eyes And I remember what you've done into your heart. I just want to uh, talk to a group of people. You're asking the question, Jason, I'm not like you. I'm not a scholar. I'm not as smart as you. I don't think I can do what you have done. I don't think, I, I mean, who am I to shine light? I'm struggling myself. 
You do you know that if you know me when I was a teenager, if you know me when I was in primary school, you would never have imagined that someone like me would be able to stand here today and share with you what I just shared with you. When I was in kindergarten, I was, I was bullied. I remember there was this student that came up to me and asked me to go to the toilet. So I went with him and he blocked the door and he just wanted to fight me. I froze. I like, I'm a nice guy. Why do you want to fight me? And he ran towards me and gave me a kick. <laughs> I said, ouch. And I cried and he ran away. I'm still looking for him, you know. In fact, he was shorter than me, so it was really embarrassing. He was smaller size than me and I, I got bullied by him. And my English was terrible. I grew up in a non-English speaking family. I have to learn English in school. I stammer, I stutter. I will go, excuse me, teacher, may, 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 may. May I go to the toilet? Everybody will laugh in the class. I remember one time the teacher was teaching us uh, shapes, shapes. Uh. So he said, square. Everybody say, square, right? Say, triangle. Everybody say, triangle. Then she said, round. Everybody say, then I shouted, wow. She said, who, who, who's the one, who's the one? Again, everybody say, round. So I shouted, wow. Say, you, come out. So I went up. I thought, what happened? She said, you say again. I said, wow. Everybody laughed. The best part is, she thought the only way to cure that was to speak louder. So she said, okay, louder. I said, wow. Whole class laughed louder. After that, I never wanted to stand in front of class again. And the best part is that I became a prefect in primary five. You know how did I become a prefect? I never wanted leadership positions, right? You know how? Because pre four, I was the fifth in class. So the prefect master came to the class at the beginning of P5. He said, we need two prefects. Can the top five boys come out? So I stood there, five boys. I was number five. So I thought, sure, the first two, three, four, right? So he asked the first boy, do you want to be a prefect? He said, no. He said, go. Second one, you want to be a prefect? He said, no, go. Ask the third boy, do you want to be a prefect? He said, no, go. Number four, number five, prefects. So I became prefect. Actually, not difficult to be a prefect. Nah. People run, take down names, throw rubbish, take names. People late, pick, take, uh, write down names. Until one day, he came to my class. He said, downstairs at the yard, schoolyard, there are a group of boys kicking around a plastic football. I want you to go down and confiscate the ball. So when I went down, I said, hey, prefect, ah, give me the ball. They kick, then I run. Hey, give me the ball. They kick, I ran. Hey, give me the ball. Ah. They kick. I was, I became the ball in front of the whole school because they were watching from the Windows, all the classes were looking what happened. I stood right in the center of the whole school, a prefect, and I was so helpless. I said, and I didn't have God at the time. I broke down and I cried. Finally, one of them, who happened to be a friend of mine, said, Hey, 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 don't, don't bully prefect. He took the ball, he gave it to me. He said, Okay, I'll give you, I don't cry. So I took the ball, I wiped all my tears, I went up to the prefect master's office. I said, Sir, I got the ball. He said, well done. Up to today, he doesn't know how I got the ball. When I look back at my life, I ask myself, can someone like that do all the things that I just shared? Only God. Because at the age of 20, I became a Christian. I gave my life to Him. 
and the Lord opened up chapter 3, opened up chapter 4, opened up chapter 5. So we're going to sing this song one last time. If you want God to open those chapters of your life, for the rest of your life, you say, I'm not going to write my own book. I want to write according to what He's written. You want those words to become flesh. And you look around you and say, for the rest of my life, I want to bring more light, more truth, more life to what is happening around me. You come forward and we will pray. I, I pass the time. I'm going to come down and pray for you. So. When I look into your heart I see the broken and the lost And I remember 